0: Chapter 2. Like and Unlike The old woman stared aghast, first at one of the young men, then at the other. "'Why, then? He isn't Jim!' she exclaimed. "'Who isn't Jim, Grandmother? What do you mean? Here I am, back again, a bundle of aching bones, old rags and empty pockets. I've done no good where I've been, so you needn't ask me for any money.' "'for I haven't earned a farthing either by fair means or foul. "'But the other,' she said, "'this young gentleman. Look at him, Jim.' "'The man took up the candle, snuffed it with his fingers, "'and walked straight to Jabez. "'He held the light before the face of the usher "'and surveyed him with a leisurely stare. "'That individual's blue eyes winked "'and blinked at the flame like an owl's in the sunshine.' "'and looked every way except straight into the eyes looking into his. "'Why, curse his impudence,' said the man, with a faint, sickly laugh. "'I'm blessed if he hasn't been and boned my mug. "'I hope it'll do him more good than it's done me,' he added bitterly. "'I can't make out the meaning of this,' mumbled the old woman. "'It's all dark to me. "'I saw where the other one was put myself. "'I saw it done, and safely done, too.' "'Oh, yes, of course.' "'What do you mean by the other one?' asked the man, "'while Jabez listened intently for the answer. "'Why, my dearie, that's a part of the secret "'you're to know some of these days. "'Such a secret. "'Gold, gold, gold, as long as it's kept, "'and gold when it's told, "'if it's told at the right time, dearie. "'If it's to be told at the right time to do me any good,' "'It had better be told soon, then,' said Jim, with a dreary shiver. "'My bones ache, and my head's on fire, and my feet are like lumps of ice. "'I've walked twenty miles today, and I haven't had bite nor sup since last night. "'We're silicons.' "'At the factory, Jim, dearie. "'Somebody's given her a piece of work, one of the regular hands, "'and she's to bring home some money tonight. "'Poor girl, she's been a-fretin' and a-crying your eyes out since you've been gone, Jim.' "'poor lass. "'I thought I might do some good for her "'and me both by going away where I did, "'but I haven't, "'and so I've come back to eat her starvation wages, "'poor lass. "'It's a cowardly thing to do, "'and if I'd had strength, "'I should have gone on further, "'but I couldn't.' "'As he was saying these words, "'a girl came in at the half-open door "'and running up to him, "'threw her arms round his neck. "'Oh, Jim, you've come back!' "'I said you would. I knew you'd never stop away. "'I knew you couldn't be so cruel.' "'It's crueler to come back, lass,' he said. "'It's bad to be a burden on a girl like you.' "'A burden, Jim,' she said in a low, reproachful voice, "'and then dropped quietly down amongst the dust and rubbish at his feet "'and laid her head caressingly against his knee. "'She was not what is generally called a pretty girl.' "'hers had not been the delicate nurture "'which nourishes so frail and exotic as beauty. "'She had a pale, sickly face, "'but it was lighted up by large dark eyes "'and framed by a heavy mass of dark hair. "'She took the man's rough hand in hers "'and kissed it tenderly. "'It is not likely that a duchess "'would have done such a thing, "'but if she had, "'she could scarcely have done it with better grace. "'A burden, Jim,' she said, "'a burden,' "'Do you think if I worked for you day and night "'and never rested, that I should be weary? "'Do you think if I worked my fingers to the bone for you "'that I should ever feel the pain? "'Do you think if my death could make you a happy man "'I should not be glad to die? "'Oh, you don't know. You don't know.' "'She said this half despairingly, "'as if she knew there was no power in his soul "'to fathom the depth of love in hers. "'Poor lass!' "'Poor lass,' he said, as he laid the other rough hand, "'gently on her black hair. "'If it's as bad as this, I'm sorry for it. "'More than ever sorry tonight.' "'Why, Jim?' she looked up at him with a sudden glance of alarm. "'Why, Jim? Is anything the matter?' "'Not much, lass, but I don't think I'm quite the thing tonight.' "'His head drooped as he spoke. "'The girl put it on her shoulder, "'and it lay there, as if he had scarcely power to lift it up again. "'Grandmother, he's ill, he's ill. "'Why didn't you tell me this before? "'Is that gentleman the doctor?' she asked, "'looking at Jabez, who still stood in the shadow of the doorway, "'watching the scene within. "'No, but I'll fetch the doctor if you like,' said that benevolent personage, "'who appeared to take a wonderful interest in this family group.' "'Do, sir, if you will be so good,' said the girl imploringly. "'He's very ill, I'm sure. "'Jim, look up and tell us what's the matter.' "'The man lifted his heavy eyelids with an effort "'and looked up with bloodshot eyes into her face. "'No, no, never could he fathom the depth of this love "'which looks down at him now, with more than a mother's tenderness, "'with more than a sister's devotion. "'This love, which knows no change, which would shelter him in those entwining arms, a thief or a murderer, and which could hold him no dearer were he a king upon a throne. Jabez North goes for a doctor and returns presently with a gentleman, who, on seeing Jim the laborer, pronounces that he had better go to bed at once, for, as he whispers to the old woman, he's got rheumatic fever and got it pretty sharp, too. The girl they call Silicon's bursts out, crying on hearing this announcement, but soon chokes down her tears, as tears are wont to be choked down in blind Peter, whose inhabitants have little time for weeping, and sets to work to get ready a poor apology for a bed, a worn-out mattress, and a thin patchwork counterpane. And on this they lay the bundle of aching bones known to blind Peter as Jim Lomax. The girl receives the doctor's directions, promises to fetch some medicine from his surgery in a few minutes, and then kneels down by the sick man. "'Oh, Jim, dear Jim,' she says, "'keep a good heart, for the sake of those who love you.' She might have said, "'for the sake of her who loves you, "'for it never surely was the lot of any man, "'from my lord the Marquis, to Jim the Labourer, "'to be twice in his life loved, "'as this man was loved by her.' Jabez North, on his way home, must go the same way as the doctor, so they walk side by side. "'Do you think he will recover?' asked Jabez. "'I doubt it. He has evidently been exposed to great hardship, wet, and fatigue. The fever is very strong upon him, and I'm afraid there's not much chance of his getting over it. I should think something might be done for him to make him a little more comfortable. You are his brother, I presume,' "'in spite of the apparent difference between you and Station.' "'Jabez laughed a scornful laugh. "'His brother! Why, I never saw the man till ten minutes before you did.' "'Bless me,' said the old doctor. "'You amaze me. I should have taken you for twin brothers. "'The likeness between you is something wonderful. "'In spite, too, of the great difference in your clothes. "'Dressed alike, it would be impossible to tell one from the other.' You really think so? The fact must strike anyone. Jabez North was silent for a little time after this. Presently, as he parted from the doctor at a street corner, he said, And you really think there is very little chance of this poor man's recovery? I'm afraid there is positively none. Unless a wonderful change takes place for the better, in three days he will be a dead man. Good night. Good night. "'says Jabez thoughtfully, and he walked slowly home. "'It would seem about this time "'that he was turning his attention to his personal appearance, "'and in some danger of becoming a fop, "'for the next morning he bought a bottle of hair dye "'and tried some experiments with it "'on one or two of his own light ringlets, "'which he cut off for that purpose. "'It would seem a very trivial employment "'for so superior and intellectual a man as Jabez North,' but it may be that every action of this man's life, however apparently trivial, bore towards one deep and settled purpose. Chapter 3 A Golden Secret Mr. Jabez North, being of such a truly benevolent character, came the next day to blind Peter, full of kind and sympathetic inquiries for the sick man. For once in a way he offered something more than sympathy, and administered what little help he could afford from his very slender purse. Truly a good young man, this Jabez. The dilapidated house and blind Peter looked still more dreary and dilapidated in the daylight, or in such light as was called daylight by the denizens of that wretched alley. By this light, too, Jim Lomax looked none the better, with hungry, pinched features, bloodshot eyes, and two burning, "'crimson spots on his hollow cheeks. "'He was asleep when Jabez entered. "'The girl was still seated by his side, "'never looking up or taking her large dark eyes from his face, "'never stirring except to rearrange the poor bundle of rags "'which served as a pillow for the man's weary head, "'or to pour out his medicine, "'or moisten his hot forehead with wet linen. "'The old woman sat by the great gaunt fireplace,' "'where she had lighted a few sticks "'and made the best fire she could "'by the doctor's orders, "'for the place was damp and drafty "'even in this warm June weather. "'She was rocking herself to and fro "'on a low three-legged stool "'and muttering some disconnected jargon. "'When Jabez had spoken a few words to the sick man "'and made his offer of assistance, "'he did not leave the place, "'but stood on the hearth, "'looking with a thoughtful face at the old woman.' She was not quite right in her mind, according to general opinion in Blind Peter, and if a commission on lunacy had been called upon to give a return of her state of intellect on that day, I think that return would have agreed with the opinion openly expressed in a friendly manner by her neighbors. She kept muttering to herself, "'And so, my dearie, this is the other one,' "'The water couldn't have been deep enough, "'but it's not my fault, Lucy dear, "'for I saw it safely put away.' "'What did you see so safely put away?' asked Jabez, "'in so low a voice as to be heard "'neither by the sick man nor the girl.' "'Wouldn't you like to know, dearie?' "'mumbled the old hag, "'looking up at him with a malicious grin. "'Don't you very much want to know, my dear? "'But you never will. "'Or if you ever do,' "'You must be a rich man first. "'For it's part of the secret, "'and the secret's gold, "'as long as it is kept, my dear, "'and it's been kept a many years "'and kept faithful.' "'Does he know it?' Jabez asked, "'pointing to the sick man. "'No, my dear. "'He'd want to tell it, "'I mean to sell it some day, "'for it's worth a mint of money, "'a mint of money. "'He doesn't know it, nor she, "'not that it matters to her, "'but it does matter to him.' "'Then you had best let him know before three days are over, "'or he'll never know it,' said the schoolmaster. "'Why not, dearie?' "'Never you mind. "'I want to speak to you, "'and I don't want those two to hear what I say. "'Can we go anywhere hereabouts where I can talk to you "'without the chance of being overheard?' "'The old woman nodded assent "'and led the way with feeble tottering steps out of the house "'and through a gap in a hedge "'to some broken ground at the back of blind Peter.' Here the old crone seated herself upon a little hillock, Jabez standing opposite her, looking her full in the face. Now, said he with a determined look at the grinning face before him, now tell me, what was the something that was put away so safely, and what relation is that man in there to me? Tell me, and tell me the truth, or... He only finishes the sentence with a threatening look, but the old woman finishes it for him. "'Or you'll kill me, eh, dearie? "'I'm old and feeble, and you might easily do it, eh? "'But you won't. "'You won't, dearie. "'You know better than that. "'Kill me, and you'll never know the secret. "'The secret that may be gold to you some day, "'and that nobody alive but me can tell. "'If you'd got some very precious wine in a glass bottle, my dear, "'you wouldn't smash the bottle now, would you? "'Because, you see, you couldn't smash the bottle "'without spilling the wine.' and you won't lay so much as a rough finger upon me, I know. The usher looked rather as if he would have liked to lay the whole force of ten very rough fingers upon the most vital part of the grinning hag's anatomy at that moment, but he restrained himself, as if by an effort, and thrust his hands deep into his trouser pockets in order the better to resist temptation. Then you don't mean to tell me what I asked you, he said impatiently, "'Don't be in a hurry, my dear. "'I'm an old woman, and I don't like to be hurried. "'What is it you want to know?' "'What that man in there is to me.' "'Own brother, twin brother, my dear, that's all. "'And I'm your grandmother, your mother's mother. "'Ain't you pleased to find your relations, my blessed boy?' "'If he were, he had a strange way of showing pleasure, "'a very strange manner of welcoming newly-found relations.' if his feelings were to be judged by that contracted brow and moody glance. "'Is this true?' he asked. The old harridan looked at him and grinned. "'That's an ugly mark you've got upon your left arm, my dear,' she said. "'Just above the elbow. "'It's very lucky, though. "'It's under your coat-sleeve, where nobody can see it.' Jabez started. He had indeed a scar upon his arm, though very few people knew of it, "'He remembered it from earliest days in the Slopperton workhouse. "'Do you know how you came by that mark?' continued the old woman. "'Shall I tell you? "'Why, you fell into the fire, dearie, when you were only three weeks old. "'We'd been drinking a little bit, my dear, "'and we weren't used to drinking much then, nor to eating much either. "'And one of us let you tumble into the fireplace. "'And before we could get you out, your arm was burnt. "'But you got over it, my dear.' and three days after that you had the misfortune to fall into the water. "'You threw me in, you old she-devil!' he exclaimed fiercely. "'Come, come,' she said. "'You are of the same stock, so I wouldn't call names if I were you. "'Perhaps I did throw you into the sloshy. "'I don't want to contradict you. "'If you say so, I dare say I did. "'I suppose you think me a very unnatural old woman.' "'it wouldn't be so strange if I did. "'Do you know what choice we had, your mother and me, "'as to what we were to do with our youngest hope? your younger two hours than your brother in there. "'Why, there was a river on one side, "'and a life of misery, perhaps starvation, "'perhaps worse, on the other. "'At the very best, such a life as he in there has led, "'hard labor and bad food, "'long toilsome days and short nights.' "'and bad words and black looks from all who ought to help him. "'So we thought one was enough for that, "'and we chose the river for the other. "'Yes, my precious boy, "'I took you down to the riverside one very dark night "'and dropped you in where I thought the water was deepest. "'But you see, it wasn't deep enough for you. "'Oh, dear,' she said with an imbecile grin, "'I suppose there's a fate in it, "'and you were never born to be drowned.' "'Her hopeful grandson looked at her with a savage frown. "'Drop that,' he said. "'I don't want any of your cursed wit. "'Don't you, dearie? "'Lord, I was quite a wit in my young days. "'They used to call me Lively Betty, "'but that's a long time ago.' "'There was sufficient left, however, "'of the liveliness of a long time ago "'to give an air of ghastly mirth to the old woman's manner, "'which made that manner extremely repulsive.' What can be more repulsive than old age, which, shorn of the beauties and graces, is yet not purified from the follies or the vices of departed youth? And so, my dear, the water wasn't deep enough, and you are saved. How did it all come about? Tell us, my precious boy. Yes, I dare say you'd like to know, replied her precious boy. But you can keep your secret, and I can keep mine. Perhaps you'll tell me whether my mother is alive or dead." "'Now, this was a question which would have cruelly agitated "'some men in the position of Jabez North. "'But that gentleman was a philosopher, "'and he might have been inquiring the fate of some cast-off garment "'for all the fear, tenderness, or emotion of any kind "'that his tone or manner betrayed. "'Your mother's been dead these many years. "'Don't you ask me how she died. "'I'm an old woman, and my head's not so right, "'but what some things will set it wrong.' "'Talking of that is one of them. "'She's dead. "'I couldn't save her, nor help her, nor set her right. "'I hope there's more pity where she's gone than she ever got here, "'for I'm sure if trouble can need it, she needed it. "'Don't ask me anything about her.' "'Then I won't,' said Jabez. "'My relations don't seem such an eligible lot "'that I should set to work to write the history of the family. "'I suppose I had a father of some kind or other,' "'What's become of him? Dead or...?' "'Hung, eh, dearie,' said the old woman, "'relapsing into the malicious grin. "'Take care what you're about,' said the fascinating Mr. North, "'or you'll tempt me to shake the life out of your shriveled old carcass. "'And then you'll never know who your father was. "'Ha-ha, my precious boy, "'that's part of the golden secret that none but me can tell. "'Then you won't tell me my father's name,' "'Perhaps I've forgotten it, dearie. "'Perhaps I never knew it. "'Who knows?' "'Was he of your class, "'poor, insignificant, and wretched, "'the scum of the earth, "'the mud in the streets, "'the slush in the gutters, "'for other people to trample upon "'with their dirty boots? "'Was he that sort of thing? "'Because if he was, "'I shan't put myself out of the way "'to make any tender inquiries about him.' "'Of course not, dearie. "'You'd like him to have been a fine gentleman,' "'a baronet, or an earl, or a marquis, eh, my blessed boy? "'It was not very polite, certainly, what he did say, "'not quite the tone of conversation, "'to be pleasing to any noble, whatever, except one, "'and him, by the laws of polite literature, "'I am not allowed to mention.' "'Puzzled by her mysterious mumblings, grinnings, and gesticulations, "'our friend Jabez stared hard in the old crone's face,' for about three minutes, looking very much as if he would have liked to throttle her. But he refrained from that temptation, turned on his heel, and walked off in the direction of Sloperton. The old woman apostrophized his receding figure. Oh, yes, dearie, you're a nice young man, and a clever, civil-spoken young man, and a credit to them that reared you. But you'll never have the golden secret out of me till you've got the money to pay for it. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Phoebe Reads a Mystery is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC.